Well, guys, it is my pleasure to be here this morning, and we are continuing our series, Rethinking Church. And today we're going to focus on rethinking the church and rethinking what love looks like within the church. And I know you're like, oh, love, it's a beautiful romantic feeling that you get. You know, it's like you always think of love and you see the cartoons and there's like little hearts coming out of people's eyes, you know, and, and kids have given such funny and beautiful definitions of what love really is. And then you talk about, oh my gosh, you know, when you're in junior high, you found the one and it's like forever. And that's what you would write in your notebook. You know, you'd be like me and -and so-and-so forever. And then the next week you would like white it out and write somebody else's name. And it was forever. And this time it was for real until you got to summer. And then in summer camp, you met someone else. And then it was like, he's the one. We were worshiping together and it was awesome. True love that lasted five seconds or maybe a month or maybe a year, you know, and, and, and then you remember dating your spouse and how awesome and thrilling it was and you had butterflies in your stomach and you could stay up talking late all night about absolutely nothing and it was awesome. And then you got married and realized that that really wasn't love. That there was some awesome emotions that you felt. And it really wasn't love, though. There were feelings, but you realize that your emotions lie to you all of the time. They're like, eat that pizza. It's going to be delicious. Eat it all. And then you do. And then you regret it. You know, it's like, buy that. But you can spend all your money And then you do. And then you regret it. So our emotions, ladies, our emotions, man, they get us in trouble. They get us in trouble. We cannot be emotional Christians. There is no such thing. We have to be mature Christians, not emotional Christians. So in order for us to rethink about church and love, we have to redefine love. We have to see what it really is and what does it look like? I'm a visual person. You can talk and talk, and I'm like, uh-huh, uh-huh yeah, yeah. no, you lost me. Show me pictures. Tell me what it looks like. Show me how. That's how I know. Show me what love really looks like. And love in our household, for me, looks like this. If you love me, or it sounds like this, if you love me, let me sleep. Okay? Let me sleep. You know, I'm Mexican. We're really big into like bringing serenatas and mariachis and stuff. And like you always see these like uh, movies and there's a girl and she's sleeping soundly. And then some really loud band starts playing outside of her window. And she's like, (gasps) she opens the window. I'd be like, dude, go home. Let me sleep. Okay. Okay. Take him somewhere else. I don't want to hear them. Because my love language is sleep. Let If you love me, let me sleep. Oh my gosh, let me sleep. And believe it or not, my husband has done an amazing job. Now, okay, it, it's taken us eight, almost eight years of marriage for us to be able to communicate that this is my love language. Because one time, I was dead asleep. The kids were asleep, y'all. It was past eight, and they were asleep. So I was asleep, and my phone rings. So I pick it up. It's Jason. 
And I answered, and I'm like, hello. And he's like, hey, babe, morning person. Mm -hmm. He's like, I totally called you by accident. And at that moment, the only emotion that was fully awake was anger. Uh Uh-huh. He didn't even get a verbal response. I growled at him and hung up the phone. So it was like, hang up. Serious. Totally serious. But he has noticed this week that I have been exhausted. And the other day, he not only let me sleep in, he actually took the kids out of the house, all three of them, out of the house so that I could have peaceful sleep. And then he brought me coffee and laid it quietly next to me because I was still asleep. And he let me sleep. So, you know, teenagers, you have all of these notions about all relationship goals and you have like candy and jewelry and all of this stuff. And I used to be like, oh, isn't that romantic? He brought her flowers (laughs) and matching jewelry. And now I've realized that when I see my husband washing the dishes, I'm like, that is one good looking man. That is love right there. He's washing the dishes. Folding the laundry is one of the hottest things my husband can do. Yes, it is. I just, I love him. He loves me. He, he, he folds the laundry. He loves me. It looks different. Real love looks different. Okay? It's not all that sappy, rom- like, yeah, that sappy romantic stuff can be there. But it's like, if your husband loves you, there are some actions that are put forth to show that love. It's not just saying, I love you. Anyone can say, I love you. The English language has such a poor definition of love. You love everything. You love your dog. You love your cat. You love that lipstick. You love your spouse. You just, like Love is it's such a spent word. Like It's not worth anything. You can say you love a lot of things. You know, different languages have different levels and expressions of love. But the English language, the only word you really use is love. And it's like, love looks different. I love the sappy romantic stuff. You know, I loved it when Jason drove two hours for my birthday when we were first dating to bring me flowers that died and balloons. You know, it was like, oh, that's so sweet. And he spent like 10 minutes with me and then he had to drive back because he had to work. And that was sweet. That was romantic. It was awesome. But I'm telling you, when that man did the laundry the other day, that was even more awesome. It was like, that's true love. That's true love. Nothing compares to it, I promise. So in the church, we have to rethink about what does love look like in the church. Because the church should be a loving place. It should be a place where you feel totally safe, where you can come with issues and feel totally loved. It's like, man, those people love me. So what does it look like? Let's open up our Bibles today. We're going to be in Matthew 25, verse 31 through 36. I'll give you a chance to get there because my phone is acting up. you got to love when your kids have your phone in the morning. Because right now, I really don't want to watch Power Rangers. So I'm trying to click it off. Give me a second. Oh, my God. Stop it.
Yo, my Bible is not working. Ha! This Bible's working. Hello. I know. Let me see if I remember how to use it. 25, 31 through 36. And it says, But when the Son of Man comes in his glory, and all the angels with him, then he will sit on his glorious throne. All the nations will be gathered before him, and he will separate them from one another, as the shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. And he will put the sheep on his right, and the goats on his left. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me in. Naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you something to drink? And when did we see you a stranger and invite you in, or naked and clothed you? When did we see you sick or in prison and come to you? The king will say to them, Truly I say to you, to the extent that you did it to one of these brothers of mine, even the least of them, you did it to me. Then he will also say to those on his left, Depart from me, accursed ones, into the eternal fire which has been prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry, and you gave me nothing to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me nothing to drink. I was a stranger, and you did not invite me in. Naked, and you did not clothe me. Sick, and in prison, and you did not visit me. Then they themselves will also answer, Lord, when did we see you hungry, or thirsty, or a stranger, or naked, or sick, or in prison, and did not take care of you? Then he will answer them, Truly I say to you, to the extent that you did not do it to the one Oh, to one of the least of these, you did not do it to me. These things will go away. These will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. Let's pray. God, we thank you so much for your word, Lord. We thank you, Lord God, that this morning you're going to challenge us, Lord God, and you're going to redefine love for us. God, we ask you to be here with us, to speak through me, Lord God, in Jesus' name. Amen. What an interesting scripture. Here God is, and here all of us are, and he's dividing people to the left and to the right. And he's talking to these two groups. And he's telling them, hey, these are some things you did, and you did them for me. And to this group, they're like, what? No, we didn't see you like that, Jesus. And he's like, no. No one's going to want to sit on the left side now. I'm sorry. They're going to be like, no. Jesus, we never saw you like that. And I I did want to point something out that stood out to me when I was reading this. When he tells them that they're going to go off to eternal punishment, notice that he tells them that that place had been prepared for the devil and his demons. Not for people. Where it says, it says heaven was prepared for them. It says it's been prepared since the beginning of the world. But when he's talking about hell, he clearly points out that that place was not prepared for us. It was prepared for the devil and his demons. People choose to reject God when we make that choice. Then we are choosing hell. It wasn't prepared for us. But anyways, when I was reading this, I was like, wow, Lord. 
this is this is interesting that you would take time to note things that people did and it reminded me of that show undercover boss did you guys ever watch it i know it's so old school but it's like these major ceos would go like undercover as their own workers and see how their company worked and um like nobody knew who they were and like here's the ceo the one i remember the most was the guy that ran a sanitation company and like where he starts out is when people go and like pick up the trash that's escaping and the guy that he was working under fired him <laughs> fired him he's like you can't do this job dude i'm sorry you're not cut out for it and he's like i got i'm the ceo i got fired like he couldn't cope with that and it was so funny to me i was like oh my gosh and you know they go through all these levels and then in the end there's this big reveal and like the people come and they're like oh my god you're the ceo you're the guy you're the president blah 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 and then he does really nice things for them and i was like oh my god jason and i would cry i mean i would cry i would cry jason was totally fine with it and i'd be like that's so sweet he'd give them money or he'd like you know send them their kids to college or and it was so emotional and you know sometimes people would share with them lunch or just something with them and then come and find out man they had done that for the president of the company and they were totally unaware that's the way it's set up in the bible it's like listen when we because we're christians and we love god our goal is to become like christ and when we realize that the heartbeat of god is people the heartbeat of god is lost souls god loved us so he gave his son and jesus loved us so he gave his life and then he gave the holy spirit and the holy spirit loves us he comes and he moves in us and through us and empowers us to love others and that's what it looks like love in the church this is what it should look like on a daily basis for me and you and i you know what this statement was totally like oh my gosh revolutionary to me love is inconvenient love is inconvenient cuz i assure you that when jason let me sleep in he hadn't been feeling good either i'm sure he didn't feel like getting up and taking care of three kids by himself on a saturday morning which is the only day that really he gets to rest or sleep he didn't want to do it his emotions didn't lead him there his love for me did even though it was inconvenient okay so we need to really separate those emotions from from loving actions because you know what right actions will always lead to right emotions but right emotions don't always lead to right actions right actions will always lead to the right emotions you know what sometimes you won't feel like you love your husband you won't but you love him anyways you do those actions on a consistent basis you choose to do it You know what? I bet when Jesus was here, sometimes he didn't feel like having a crowd. Sometimes he would try to get away and they would find him. They were like toddlers. It's like, "Mom, mom, mom." It's like, "Can I please pee by myself for five just let 
just don't talk to me okay five seconds five seconds mom 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 what hi hi mom 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 what i love you oh thanks i love you too buddy it's inconvenient it's inconvenient when people knew what jesus could do they flocked to him and i'm sure that for him sometimes it felt inconvenient sometimes it wasn't fun it wasn't fun to deal with people it wasn't fun to say dude how long do i have to be with you how much longer why do you not understand the scriptures haven't you been studying them all these times but you know what his love was greater than that love was greater than that slight inconvenience So what does it look like? It looks like the church meeting physical needs in the community. It looks like you and me meeting physical needs to those around us. That's what it looks like. It looks like being able to meet that physical need to open the door to spiritual matters. That's what it looks like. Because you know what? If you meet someone and they're hungry, and they're cold and you're like oh I'll pray for you you'll be okay come to church don't be a sinner what does that do nothing but if you show people that you care about them about what they're going through about what's going on in their lives they're like man you don't just want to get me so I can be a number here You don't just you don't just want me to come to church so that you can feel better about myself and saying that you invited me. You're actually concerned about me, about what's going on in my life. And I think we can all like think of a time when you were going through the absolute worst moments of your life and you got a call or a text or flowers or something that showed you somebody out there cared for you. What a difference did it make? When you're like, "Man, I'm so thankful to have them in my life. How many times have we heard stories, testimonies? How about that one action made a difference and it was the one turning point that led people back to Christ. Mercy Chefs right now has deployed I think to Mississippi tornadoes. They deployed, they packed up their stuff. They are a team of professional chefs that take all of their stuff, they go to areas where there has been major disaster and they provide top quality meals for for whoever is in need you know they feed everybody they don't turn anybody away they're meeting physical needs and a lot of the times when they're doing that it opens the door for them to pray for people it opens the door for salvations It opens the door for God to move and do something supernatural because we've been able to meet a simple physical need. Dallas Metro right now has a team in Guatemala and they're doing Sunday school and they're doing they're they've been inviting all of these kids and I love seeing their posts. But you know what? They started out by meeting physical needs. Giving food, giving clothes, encouraging people with their words, talking to them. they're meeting physical needs to meet spiritual needs 
7 project took place in the high school. It was crazy. It was loud. It was fun. We gave a lot of pizza. We gave away a giant TV. And then we invited them back to meet spiritual needs. Church, that's what love looks like. That's what it looks like for you to be Jesus to somebody. To meet their needs. Like I'm telling you, love is inconvenient. When I'm cranky, I don't want to be loving. Ask my husband, he'll tell you. When I'm tired, I'm like, look, I'm just I just want to buy my groceries. I want you to check me out and I want to go. Okay? Okay. Just, you know, when I'm hungry, it's like just give me my food and no one will get hurt. Okay. Okay, yay. You know, talk to me after I've had coffee. Okay, if you, you see this cup, it still has coffee in it. Shh. Those are things I've actually told my husband. <laughs> you know, why? Because I want to be selfish because it's about me. It's about men when I feel like it, if I'm in a good mood, if my shoes match, if I'm okay, then I'll meet your needs. But isn't it funny how God puts people in our lives and in our paths that need us and we're total hot messes? You know, when you're trying to encourage someone and your toddler's like throwing a fit over something on, and you're like, I'm on the phone encouraging someone, hush. Why? Because we as a culture, we're so focused on us and on meet my needs. And what can you do for me today? And how fast can you get it done? And you know what? This isn't good enough. I need you to do it again. Yeah, you know what? Just stop folding the towels because we don't fold them like that. Okay, stop it. He's folding the towels. Let him fold the towels. Who cares how they get folded? They're getting put away. It happens. It happens. You know, we're so focused on us and on me that we forget that love, true love, those loving actions are focused on the other person. They're focused on the other person. I have a confession to make. I hate ironing. Hate it. Hate it. It's a curse from the devil. I hate ironing clothes. My clothes, anyone's clothes. I just don't like it. It's not my thing. Okay? I like shopping. Woohoo! That's so much fun. But ironing clothes, it's just not my thing. But you know what? I iron them because I love Jason. Because I don't want him to show up with wrinkled pants going, oh my God, his wife let him out of the house like that. <laughs> Is it inconvenient? Yeah, I don't, I don't want to. I could be sleeping, <laughs> you know, but I love him and I want to show that I love him. You know, nobody wants to like cook and clean like you don't like want to do these things if you want to come to my house please if that's something you're just like oh I love like Monica and friends she loves cleaning I'm like come to my house please get me organized you know it's inconvenient but that's how we show love we think about what other people need instead of just thinking about us we are purposefully looking around for people to bless, people to encourage. And you know what? This list of things that comes in Matthew 25, there are things that anybody can do. 
Listen, it doesn't say, I was sick and you healed me, or I was in prison and you broke me out. It doesn't say that. It says, I was sick and you thought of me and you came and you visited me. Or you sent me a card. Or you sent me a text saying, hey, I've missed you. I was in prison, whether it was physical prison or man, I was just having a bad week, a bad day, and I didn't want to see anyone. And you reached out to me. You remembered me. You thought about me. Things that anybody can do. You know, it, it doesn't mean you have to not feed your family or not pay your bills to meet somebody else's needs. It's not that. It's inviting someone out to lunch. It's saying, hey, let's hang out. It's, it's going to a life group and getting plugged in. It's doing life together. It's thinking about others. Because actions matter. Actions matter. You know, the thing that I love about this verse is that the people that God spoke to and he was like, hey, you did this and you did it, believe it or not, you did it to me. When they were doing that, they were not going, oh, I'm doing this to Jesus. They were just out loving people. Because you know what? The people in the left, they were like, Jesus, if we would have seen that it was you, we would have fed you. Jesus, if we would have known that it was you that was sick, we would have gone to visit. Jesus, if we had recognized it was you, we would have been there. But see, that talks about motives. It addresses motives. It's not just the action. It's the heart behind it. You know, you always have those people that you work with that they're absolutely worthless whenever no one's around. But as soon as the boss comes in, oh, they're, oh, you look great. Have you lost weight? And you're like, really? Really? Why? It's the motivation behind it. It's the heart behind it. And it's not about parading saying, oh, I did this, I did this, I gave here, I gave there. It's just about loving people. It's about meeting their needs where they are. Like, it's so simple, it's sometimes difficult. It's difficult to put our wants and our needs behind us and put someone else, else's needs in front of us. But love is the driving force. Love is the driving force. True, genuine love. Love that doesn't say, hey, I let you sleep in today, so you let me sleep in tomorrow. It's the kind of love that doesn't say, hey, I did this for you, now you have to do this for me. If you're keeping score and you're keeping tally, you're doing it wrong. <laughs> if it's, hey, I'm going to do this so you can do that for me later, that's called quid pro quo. We learned about it in employee training. <laughs> it's against the law. <laughs> Just so you know. It doesn't work that way. Love gives without expecting anything in return. Love gives. Listen to me, teenagers. Love will never put you in a compromising situation. Will not do that. Love will never demand of you or make you feel less than if you don't do something. That is not love. It's not. Love gives and it is selfless and it is sacrificing 
And you know what? Love is inconvenient. And it's actions. It's not just beautiful words. Love is actions. It has to have something behind it. You have to you have to put motion to it. You can't just tell people that God loves them. You have to show it to them. You can't just say, I love you. You have to have actions to back it up. We have to rethink love. We have to rethink God. How can we show your love to people? Because you know what? Missions really is the heartbeat of God. Lost souls, that is... That is what God's heart breaks for. And if we are trying to be like God, if we're wanting to be like Him more and more every day, then our actions should show it. Jesus told His disciples, people will know that you are my disciples when you love one another. And what did that look like? Holding hands and singing Kumbaya? No. It showed the disciples supporting each other. It showed the disciples being there for each other. It showed them working together as a body to reach the lost. That's what it looked like. It was the disciples getting a community together and loving people together and serving people together and preaching the gospel together. Just saying, man, this is what Jesus did in my life. They gave. Out of what they had, they gave. Peter and, oh, what's his name? John. Walking to the temple, the lame man was there. What did they say? Listen, we don't have silver. We don't have gold. What we have, we're going to give you. They were not selfish with that prayer. They weren't like, oh, may God provide for all your needs. Okay, let's go. No. They did a crazy loving thing. They prayed for him and spoke healing over him, pulled him up. Listen, after they spoke healing, they pulled him up. How many times have we been willing to pull up others when they're struggling? To pull up others with our words instead of tearing them down? How many times have we used loving words? It starts with us. It starts with your husband or your wife. It starts with your kids. And then it spills out. Because love church is not something we should just say. It should be who we are. It should be what we do. It is the evidence. These things are just the evidence that we love God the fact that we love others how did I know that Jason loved me when we were dating he spent time with me he spent time with me I would get random texts throughout the day thinking of you I love you you know every now and then it would be flowers or coffee he knew the way to my heart coffee it was awesome you know It was all of these actions that I was like, oh no, yeah, he's the one. 
It was actions. How is this community going to know that we love them? We have to be there. Listen, when you go to the store, when you go to Walmart, when you go out to eat, you represent Jesus. You represent Jesus to these people. Sometimes you're going to be the only Jesus that people meet. You are the face, the hands, the feet, the words of Jesus. It's me and it's you. Regardless of how we feel at the moment. Regardless of whether or not I'm in a hurry. Me being in a hurry does not excuse me being rude. It doesn't. Me being in a hurry because I'm running late doesn't mean I get to be rude to people or mean to them. Especially my kids. If you would have gotten ready sooner, we wouldn't be late. You know, well, if I would have woken up earlier, they probably wouldn't have been running behind. It's not an excuse. It's not an excuse. Your feelings are not an excuse for how you treat people. Your feelings are not an excuse for you not to do anything. Listen, if you're going to go on your feelings, you're going to live a very sad, dissatisfying, frustrating life. Emotions are such tricky lying things. Can't depend on them. You cannot depend on them. If we as a church are going to read our are going to reach our city, you know what? It starts with healthy marriages. It starts with healthy families. And it spills out to healthy relationships with others. Healthy interactions. Being kind doesn't cost us anything. It doesn't cost us anything. And that's all that this passage is saying. Listen, church, if we're going to rethink the church, if people on the outside are going to start rethinking that, hey, you know what, maybe that church, they're not full of hypocrites. Because you know what, I saw you sitting there one Sunday, but then I saw you cussing me out the next time when I was checking you out. Hmm. I saw you throwing a fit and not leaving me a tip because I messed up your order. My bad. It happens. Sorry. Ask my kids. I've burned their meals before. I'm like, baby, we have to go out to eat. (laughs) I just burned dinner. It happens. Unless you're loving like my husband and still eats it. That's love. Just so you know, that's love. It happens. But if the community is going to start rethinking about coming to church, we as a church body have to rethink how we're going to reach them. And the way we reach them is through loving actions. Actions that are motivated for what is best for them. How can we meet your needs? How can we help you out? You're sick. Let me bring you, let me make you some soup. Let me send you a text message telling you I missed you. You know, your your kids are going wild. Hey, bring them over. You and your husband go on a date night. It's okay. That's what it should look like inside the church. That's what others should see. 
Woo, dropped off all three kids. We're having time by ourselves. Thanks to our church members. Woo, yay, so happy, so excited. You know, if you see someone struggling, open the door for them. Greet them. Say hi. Let them know that they're important to us because they're important to God. And if Jesus would stop what he was doing to interact with kids, to show love and to communicate value to those that society has deemed that outca- as outcast, shouldn't we do the same thing to the ones around us, to the ones closest to us? You know, sometimes I think that the person that we need to show love the most is the one that puts up with us the most. It is, and it's hard. It's like, listen, you don't know my wife, you don't know my husband. I know. But you know what? Loving actions will always lead to the right actions will always lead to right emotions. So you know what? I'm going to start where I am with my family, with my church family. I'm going to use what God has given me. You know what? I can't sing. I'm not going to put you through that punishment. Mm -mm, Can't do it. You're welcome. (laughs) I'm going to use what I have. I'm going to start where I am, use what I have, and I'm going to do what I can you know what? I can't reach all of Mejia. I'm too short. I mean, I mean, there's not like it's just me. That's what I meant. It's my English. My bad. You know what? I can't reach all of Mejia, but I can do what I, I can, I can try. I can do what I can with the people that I interact. That's why God has placed us where He has placed us. I can't reach Sims. That's not my campus, but you can. I can't reach the high school, but you can. That's where God has planted you. You know, I prefer H-E-B over Walmart. (laughs) Yeah, I I spend a lot of time at McDonald's with the kids. I can reach Starbucks baristas. Yes, I can. They know me by name, even though they're 45 minutes away. (laughs) Right, I know it's an addiction. Bring (laughs) through. But you know what? That's why it takes all of us working together as one to grow the kingdom of Christ. That's why everybody's important. Because the people that you can reach, I can't reach. The people that you come across in contact with, I don't. You know, we may have a few people that like are in our same circle, but not many. Why? Because when we begin to love people, to meet their needs, physical needs, it'll open the door for us to share spiritual moments. Because sometimes eating pizza with someone is just as spiritual as praying for them. Because sometimes calling someone, telling them you miss them, Telling them you're glad to see them makes all of the difference in the world. It makes such a difference. 
if we can be a loving church, a place where people want to come to because they know they're loved, they know they're valued. What greater thing there is than to know that you are loved? There's nothing like it. To find that church, that place where you call home, that may be crazy, chaotic, wild at times, but loved. And that's who we want to be. We want to be walking, living examples of God's love in this earth. Let's pray. God, we thank you so much for the great example that you set. John 3.16 begins saying that God loved, loved the world that he gave and spared no expense in sending his own son to die. The ultimate sacrifice, the ultimate inconvenience so that we could be saved. God, this morning, I pray that you will stir our hearts to love others like you loved us. God, that you will begin to break our hearts for lost people. God, that you will open our eyes. Give us creativity, oh Lord God. Just open our eyes, Lord, so that we can see needs, oh Lord God, and meet them. Whether it is visiting someone or calling someone or encouraging someone or buying somebody dinner or lunch. God, may we be the hands and the feet of Jesus. Lord, may we be representatives of you that you need not to be ashamed of. that we will love people into your kingdom. God, let it start with us. Let it start with our family, oh Lord God. Let love be the driving force behind everything that we do and everything that we say. Let us be constantly aware, God, that we are representatives of you. Let us love like you loved. Let us be a church known, O oh Lord God, as a church that displays, exemplifies the love of Jesus in this community. Thank you, Lord God. We ask that you bless every one of our members this week, O oh Lord God. Lord, that as we go out, we will look for someone to love and to encourage not just today, O oh Lord God, but every day. In Jesus' name.